If you enjoy listening to this podcast, we ask you to consider supporting it by making a one-time or reoccurring donation. Visit Mayflower's website at www.mayflowerucc.org and click on the Donate tab in the menu. Donations made to Mayflower's Communications Fund are tax-deductible and help ensure that this podcast is available. Thank you for your support. The sermon you are about to hear was preached at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church in Oklahoma City by the Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie, senior minister at one of America's premier liberal Protestant pulpits. At Mayflower, we are an open and affirming peace and justice church where we believe religion should be biblically responsible, intellectually honest, emotionally satisfying, and socially significant. We go now to the pulpit of Mayflower Congregational UCC Church of Oklahoma City and to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie. Good morning. Welcome from Mayflower Congregational United Church of Christ, where no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. Will you bow your heads with me? There are so many unbelievable parts to the story of Jonah, holy one. Jonah getting swallowed by the big fish, of course, and somehow surviving three days in there until the fish puked him up on the beach. Then there's the line that tells us, when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, God changed God's mind about the calamity that God had said God would bring upon them, and God did not do it. Oh, Jonah was big mad that you decided not to punish the Ninevites after you sent him all the way there to warn them of impending doom for their wicked ways. Unbelievable, he thought. They deserved it, he thought. This was why he didn't want to go to Nineveh in the first place. For as he said, I knew that you were a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and ready to relent from punishing. We have no beef with the Ninevites, Holy One, but this text is truly unbelievable. It makes the claim that you held one belief but learned new information, and it changed your mind. Holy One, this is not how we do things. We stake out a position, dig in and defend it at all costs, never mind reason, never mind logic, never mind a better idea or a new paradigm or a different approach. But here you are in this story, modeling discernment and informed decision-making, we confess that we're a little Team Jonah about it. We are not that into doing anything that might imply or worse, admit that we were wrong. So teach us, Holy One, to reconsider, to think better of, to reevaluate and to reexamine. Help us to be curious not judgmental, as Ted Lasso would say. 
may we be guilty of being everything Jonah accused you of being, gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and ready to relent from punishing. We know we can do these things. We are, after all, made in your image. We just need to act like it. With open hearts and minds, we pray. Amen. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25, verses 34 through 40. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, you that are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food, or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when, when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you, or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. Here ends the reading from our tradition. May God grant to us wisdom and courage for interpretation. In this passage, we're at the very, very end of the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25. And if we actually zoom out a little bit and put this passage in its context, we find that it is, in fact, the very last message that Jesus taught before his death. The next chapter, chapter 26, is the beginning of the end, the Last Supper and the Garden of Gethsemane, Peter denying knowing Jesus, not once, not twice, but three times. This very location, wrote preacher Fred Craddock, persuades me that Matthew wants to underscore it as though he were saying, if you forget the other things Jesus did and said, Please remember his final message. And what is his final message? This is how it shall be when life ceases. This is how it will be when history ends and each person is openly and clearly seen under that light which makes no shadow. As we noted a few weeks ago in Paul's letter to the Romans, most of us are not quite as apocalyptic as the original audience of the biblical text. This does not mean, however, that we are not unconcerned with final things or that we don't think how we live matters. On the contrary, because many of us understand the political dimension of salvation, which we know from the story of the Exodus and the prophets and Jesus and Paul, we are quite interested in this passage and how it speaks to truth with the capital T, even if it's not exactly how this spells it out. We are interested in truth. And according to this text, the truth is that there is an eternity of difference 
in people. There is an eternity of difference in people. And according to what standard is that difference measured and how is it apparent? In response to what question is that distinction made? Well, based on this text, the most important question is how did you respond to human need? It is not, do you believe in the virgin birth? It is not, are you a Trinitarian? It is not, do you believe in the physical resurrection? Jesus does not tell us that God is interested in how many times we prayed or how many Bible verses we memorized. Instead, God is interested in this question, how did you respond to human need? This morning, I have invited three of our missions and ministries to talk about how we are responding to that question in our time and place. This is not to pat ourselves on the back, but to hold ourselves accountable by openly asking the question of how we, as a body, are responding to human need, how we are welcoming the stranger, clothing the naked, tending to the hungry and thirsty, visiting those who are sick and in prison, are we actually doing those things? And how are we as individuals participating in that work? One might say that I am suggesting that we take the Bible literally, but really it's that we're trying to take the Bible seriously. So, Emily, will you start us off? Good morning, Mayflower. Thank you so much, Pastor Lori, for having us here today to share. Uh, my name is Emily Hugator, and I am the leader of the Voice Core team here at Mayflower. The members of our dedicated team are Reverend Dr. Lori, Beth Mikola, Nicole Creather, Hugh Creather, David High, Charlotte Reem Cooper, Ellen Kirby, Jackie Warren, and John Warren. So a little bit about VOICE, in case you don't know. The acronym VOICE stands for Voices Organized in Civic Engagement. Mayflower is a member of a wide coalition of faith-based organizations, nonprofits, and worker associations that have come together to effect progressive change in the Oklahoma City metro area. Through relational organizing, VOICE works to strengthen communities, build leaders, and create a vehicle for ordinary citizens to become informed and advocate for issues affecting their families and communities. Last March, two of our members hosted a well-attended Civic Academy here at Mayflower. This class focused on educating our congregation on how to get involved as an activist at the state capitol, how to track pending legislation, how to get to know and develop relationships with your legislators, and effective strategies for advocating for issues at the state level. A central tenet of Voices' work is in listening to our communities about the issues affecting them personally. We call these listening sessions house meetings, and this year we held two of them. For our first, we hosted a congratulations, school is over, you finally made it party for a group of public school educators, and we opened the floor for them to share with us their experiences from the front lines of public education in Oklahoma. We would be here all day if I shared it all with you, but here's a taste. 
We heard about the direct repercussions undermining Oklahoma teachers, resulting from the harsh and untrue narratives being projected by those who are elected to support them. They spoke about outdated and arbitrary testing, concerted efforts to incapacitate teachers' unions, and many feel that the teacher walkout of 2018 did not solve many of the systemic issues that have since been exacerbated by COVID. They shared with us that book bans, restrictions on teachings about honest history, and punitive measures towards teachers are growing while the parental rights movement is gaining ground. Rather than more restrictions and hoops to jump through, our teachers need support, flexibility, and more trained personnel in our schools. Our team was moved by their frustrations and inspired by their ideas. So at the July Delegates Assembly, our team led the charge in adding public education to this year's Citizens Agenda. It was widely supported, and VOICE now has a newly formed education action team that meets monthly here at Mayflower. For our second House meeting, we called on this congregation to share their personal stories surrounding issues of economic justice. We heard compelling stories about abuse, neglect, and mismanagement in the elder care and assisted living industry. We heard about those whose lives have been shattered by the criminal justice system and given no resources to piece it back together. We heard about student loan debt that continues to crush its borrowers decades later and outrageously high costs of pharmaceuticals and healthcare. The common thread running through many of these stories was the traps of regulations that harshly and disproportionately impact those with the fewest resources. Currently, four of our team members are serving on VOICE's criminal justice action team who are working with former offenders at Exodus House to collect data on issues with their payments not being properly credited by the Department of Corrections. VOICE has action teams working on wide-ranging issues such as predatory lending, housing insecurity, public education, criminal justice fines and fees, and mental health. If any of these issues speak to you, I encourage you to join us and the larger VOICE coalition as we work together for a more just and equitable community for all. Thank you. Go back to August 2021 in Host, Afghanistan, a village of 40 houses, mom, four months pregnant, no formal education, dad, four kids under the age of eight, no money, no medication, no English, and one blue duffel bag of clothing only to bring to the United States. Six hour ride to Kabul. 20 airplane ride on a C-17 with 800 other people. Two stops along the way, Andrews Air Force Base, into dormitories of Fort Lee to be inspected, detected, and injected. Back onto an airplane to Oklahoma City, arriving at 10.30 at night, into three hotels fully occupied by other Afghan immigrants. Can we even imagine what was going through their minds? Good morning. <laughs> I'm John Potts. I'm part of the Mayflower Afghan Family Support Team. Hang with me for the next seven minutes and I'll unpack the Mayflower duffel bag of support with some background challenges and successes in supporting our four Afghan families settling here in Oklahoma City. I will guarantee you two things. One, you will learn at least two things you didn't know and two, you will have at least one question. Join us down here in front after the service and we'll try to answer some of those questions. 
So here's the big picture. Afghanistan has a population of 40 million. 8.2 million have fled to 103 different countries. Afghanistan ranks third right after Syria and the Ukraine when it comes to um, resettlement and to uh, 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 refugees. There, and we have the usual challenges when people arrive. Lack of English, housing, jobs, medical care, transportation, undiagnosed PTSD, and there were some unexpected challenges. Catholic Charities, which is the organization officially designated to receive all immigrants into the state of Oklahoma, was totally overwhelmed. They went from a caseload six times the usual annual average, and it all happened in one month. Larger families than usual for immigrants, some families with eight, ten, or more children, and most importantly, no existing Afghan community in Oklahoma City to assist with the transition and immigration of families into the community. And of course, there's Oklahoma's terrible public transportation system. Affordable housing was nowhere near available jobs. So given all the challenges, how are the Mayflower families doing? Astonishingly well. For two reasons. One, the Afghan, our Afghan friends are amazingly generous, caring, patient, appreciative, resourceful, creative, and they have a finely tuned network among other Afghans. And the second reason is this Mayflower community. It is extraordinary. There's the core team of Mary Taylor, Mary's up there, uh, Cindy Brown, and Jeanette Bell. Hey, Jeanette. Uh, and all of you. So how many of you sitting right here today have given time, money, transportation, food, clothing, or helped in any other way? Raise your hand. Yeah. That's the reason that we've done our part to be successful. So on January 7th, 2022, with two days notice, we moved our first family in from the hotel into their apartment. By the time we finished, hot tea and cookies magically appeared for all of us. We were so proud, we were so tired, and we were so naive. I come back the next day. Everything's unpacked, in its place, perfectly organized. I sit down on the floor and I ask the question through a Pashto interpreter over the telephone, which we used regularly for the next 12 months. How are you? Is there anything you need? Oh, we are so grateful. Thank you so much, John. Thank you so much. Now, our cultural chip sheet says, this is a plight culture, you have to ask again. So, is there anything you need? No, John, everything is just great. Third time. Are you sure there's not just one thing you could use? Well, maybe there are a couple of things. Top of the list, we want carpets and rugs. Deeply cultural. In Afghanistan, if you don't have rugs in your house, you are below dirt poor. And secondly, from a pragmatic standpoint, when you pray, eat, study, sew, do your ironing, play your homework, all on the floor, you need rugs. 
Second, a sewing machine. Our wives love to sew, and they sew for themselves and for the children. And third, a pressure cooker. Not the little pressure cooker I grew up with, a pressure cooker. You're feeding a large family, sometimes two families at the same time. Now, here's the deal. None of those three things were even on our list, and they wanted those three things more than anything else we had put in the apartment the day before. So began our education, many joys and a few tears of frustration. Over the last 19 months, it has been a total blur. For me, all-consuming, sometimes sacrificing my own health and certainly sacrificing my usual family obligations. So I give thanks to Wanda for her patience, her love, her loyalty, and her tolerance. For the four families we work with, our help has ranged from car insurance to dental care to Wi-Fi to food banks and free diapers to bank accounts to school enrollment to mobile phones to three pregnancies to computers and printers to job hunting to four surgeries with hospitalizations to job hunting, driver's licenses, yes, for some of the women, I love it, to taxes and social security disability, thanks Charles Abbott, to renter's insurance and much, much more. Where from here? The families continue in transition. Catholic Charities and Mayflower core team are firmly moving back and pushing our families towards greater independence. Families are learning more English, not nearly fast enough. The children could use daily English reading and tutoring. Families are integrating in their Afghan culture into American culture. Islam in Afghanistan is not like Islam in the United States. The Afghan families we have helped are off to a solid start here in Oklahoma City and the United States. Thanks in a large part to their work ethic, their trust in God, this Mayflower community, Catholic charities, and an Oklahoma nonprofit called Spiro. And that is an ever too brief look into the Mayflower duffel bag of Afghan family support. I did not bring my luggage. <clears throat> Good job, John. Dr. Reverend Martin Luther King once said, life's most persistent and urgent question is, what are you doing for others? We've heard about two of the more recent wonderful ways that we take that question very seriously. Now you can hear about the one that's been around for almost three decades. My name is Glenda Stansberry, and I am honored to be here to represent the 363 group. It began at Christmas, as all good stories do. 1996, a member announced during church that a homeless ministry needed help and invited anyone who was interested to meet after church. About 20 of us gathered right there in those pews and listened as Jim gave us the Christmas story. Grace Fellowship was a ministry that met in the party house at Wiley Post Park on the weekends led by Reverend Jolene, a woman who felt called to work with our neighbors who were homeless or at risk of homelessness. Another church had been providing some meals for them and had promised to bring Christmas lunch, and they backed out at the last minute. I won't tell you who that is, but you can ask me later. <clears throat> 
could we get organized and put together a meal for the following Saturday? So we transitioned from the Christmas story for people who cannot find room in the inn to the loaves and fishes parable. Everyone took part of the assignment and went to create holiday magic with turkey and dressing and pies and potatoes and all the trimmings. In typical church tradition, we prepared enough for 100 to feed 35. We arrived at the Wiley Post Park Party House, which believe me is a misnomer. There's nothing party about this place. It's a concrete square building with an inoperable kitchen and a very sketchy bathroom. But we didn't care. We set up tables and spread out food and welcomed our friends to enjoy a Christmas meal, and we loved it. And when I look back on those OG volunteers, they brought such enthusiasm and commitment to the call. Most of them, sadly, are no longer with us, but their legacy and generosity live on. We decided we wanted to continue bringing meals to support the Grace Fellowship Worship Service. Reverend Jolene was trying to coordinate with other churches to bring food as well, so we began bringing a meal once a quarter and very quickly decided to expand that to every other week. We created a variety of menus and would have meetings each month so everyone could sign up. This was before email, yes, the dark ages. We would load up all the food and everything we needed to serve and show up at the park at 11 o'clock every other Saturday to offer food and friendship and fellowship. Very quickly, we determined that other much-needed resources we could bring were providing for their toiletry needs, so we began collecting hotel-sized shampoo and soap and toothpaste and asking the church for clothing donations to bring every time. Early in our relationship, Jolene observed, all other churches are concerned about the homeless on Thanksgiving and Christmas. You are here to serve them the other 363 days of the year and a name was born. We became the 363 Group. We parted ways with Grace Fellowship in 1998, but we continued to show up on our own to serve in the park. The crowd gradually grew, and soon we were serving 100 and then 200. Our group continued to grow as more volunteers joined and church members began to give to us financially, and we could expand the amount of food and supplies that we could provide. We began ordering toiletry items and the clothing collections were so massive that we had to buy a storage building to keep all of our materials and resources. It sits in the parking lot. Then in 2002, we became homeless ourselves. The city was preparing to build the river next to Wiley Post Park and put in a splash pad and improve the park amenities and they didn't want homeless people hanging around. So they wanted us to stop serving there so those people would stop coming to the park. Insert eye roll here. So we had to find a place to continue. We were not ready to stop. We just needed someone who would welcome our efforts and our approach to ministry. We worked with another service to the homeless community and a church, but there was way too much praying and proselytizing for us to feel comfortable. We went to several other organizations and they didn't want us to bring our own food, they just wanted volunteers to serve. We were beginning to think that we were going to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Are you impressed with these biblical references? <laughs> Baptist preacher's kids never forget. <laughs> then in 2003, we had the good fortune to meet a visionary man named Dan Strawn. Dan became the founding executive director of the Homeless Alliance in 2004 
to build the community's capacity to better care for the homeless. Over the years, the Alliance has developed the Westtown Homeless Resources Campus, a one-stop shop covering a city block at 3rd and Virginia with Oklahoma City's only day shelter, serving 350 homeless people daily, a resource center filled with comprehensive services available for the homeless, those at risk of homelessness, and housing for chronically homeless individuals and veterans. They've also expanded their opportunities to the curbside chronicle and curbside flowers. Many of the people that you see wearing those green bibs standing on street corners selling curbside chronicles have been able to obtain housing through their vigilant work. You see them smiling and waving in all kinds of weather. So here's your homework. We all tend to live cashless these days, so go get a bunch of $5 bills and put them in your car console so you can support them whenever you see them. It goes a long way. So that's where the Homeless Alliance is now. We became part of the story at the beginning when it was just a hope and a prayer. They put up a metal building and began to build it out and we set up our meals. There was no heat or air or water. We brought our own portable sink and space heaters and fans and just figured it out. By now, we had a large volunteer base organized by emails, thankfully, and brought 30 to 35 people to serve and provide toiletries and clothing. Our crowd grew to an average of 300 to 350 friends. We got to know the regulars, and they looked forward to seeing us, and we worried when we didn't see some of them. We created an alliance with Bombas Socks, and they provided 5,000 socks a year. They actually do what they say on their commercials. We gave new underwear and a wide variety of toiletries. Our congregation has been wonderfully generous in providing donation gifts as well as monetary support so we could assure that everyone received the basics of life that they needed. This was an incredible, busy 16 years. And then 2020 happened. It was in all the papers. I'm sure you heard about it. <laughs> as everything closed down, so did our ability to serve at the Homeless Alliance. But in typical Mayflower style, we pivoted. If we couldn't come serve, we could certainly drop things off. Once the staff began allowing people to come into the building, we started bringing food and toiletries and clothing and medical supplies and handing them to the staff at the dock. And we ordered 250 blankets that year and they arrived the very day of the ice storm as the Homeless Alliance was making preparations to open as a temporary night shelter. We brought pizzas so people seeking a warm place could have something to eat. So for two years, we continued to support them with donations and monetary gifts. Meanwhile, in 2021, Jamie Zumwalt was invited to, to preach here at Mayflower. Some of you all might remember that day. Jamie grew up as a pastor's kid in conservative evangelical Christianity and served as a missionary for two decades and then in 2006, Jamie and her husband John planted a coffee house church community called Joe's Addiction in the Valley Brook District of Oklahoma City. Jamie says, at Joe's we believe it's much easier to be good when you're hanging out with other people who are trying to be good. All of us are broken in various ways. We carry with us the pains of our past, addictions and struggles, as well as our, our joys and our hopes and our dreams. Many who frequent Joes are experiencing homeless, homelessness, mental illness, substance abuse problems, and the basic struggle to pay bills. We have found that life is better 
when we do it together. After Jamie's presentation on that Sunday, it was clear that we should partner with Joe's Addiction and their ministry, so we began to explore those possibilities and put those efforts under the 363 umbrella. 2023 has found us returning to in-person work. We now ask people to volunteer to provide funds or food or show up to serve and clean up at Homeless Alliance. It's taken us a little while to get back in the groove and routine and for our neighbors to understand who we are and when we're gonna be there. We've simplified our menu offerings to the one meal that is most popular, fried chicken from Homeland. No more lasagnas, thank you very much. So we bring salad and salad dressing and cookies and ask for donations to pay for 500 pieces of chicken. We currently are delivering food to Joe's Addiction. We are hoping to grow into having enough volunteers who can help serve and clean up there as well. Additionally, Homeless Alliance just received funding to open a night shelter, which will be open every night from November 1st through March 1st. We are now just now considering what opportunities we might have to volunteer and support those efforts. We have our quarterly clothing drives, t-shirts in the spring, shoes in the summer, our current Willie Ream annual jeans drive, along with the ranch dressing and cookie drive. Oh my gosh, it's the last week of the month and I forgot, so bring them this week, okay? <clears throat> and then we'll have our annual holiday request for hats and scarves and hand warmers along with ordering blankets for Homeless Alliance and Joe's Addiction. We have wonderful experienced, I didn't call us old, and new volunteers who are carrying the banner of this dream that began at Christmas 27 years ago. As Lori reminded us at the beginning of our time, this is what the Bible says about the dream. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I told you, I got this Bible drill thing down cold. There have been many dedicated people who have given their time and energy and money and attention to this effort that it would be impossible to name them without leaving someone out. Steve Newell faithfully served as the coordinator for almost two decades. Elizabeth Dake is now herding cats and organizing the donations and the food, and we're always looking for more people to join us to carry on the mission. And our name is just as true today as it was almost three decades ago. We are the group who are focused on serving our neighbors 363 days of the year because we believe what Mahatma Gandhi declared, a small body of determined spirits fired by an unquenchable faith in their mission can alter the course of history. Amen and amen. You've been listening to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie, Senior Minister at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church in Oklahoma City. More information about the church can be found at www.mayflowerucc.org or by visiting Mayflower's Facebook page. Worship services are every Sunday at 10 a.m with Sunday school classes for all ages at 9 a.m. Mayflower is located on Northwest 63rd Street in Oklahoma City, one block west of Portland. Thank you for listening.